You're listening to the SHL Smart Teams Podcast, a show where we invite experts on people science to talk about how to build a future where businesses thrive because their people thrive. Hello and welcome to our podcast series um, through SHL, which is all about future-proofing our organisations. I'm Sarah McClellan and I lead our European professional services here at SHL. I'm also a business psychologist um, and really fascinated by people science and the impact that we can have on individuals and organisations. So the reason we wanted to have this focused podcast is essentially because As we all know, our lives and work have turned upside down over the last 18 months. And we think this gives us a really great opportunity to reinvent, um, to look at some of the core fundamentals of our working lives and experiences and some of the principles and, and consider what might we change, what might be different um, as we move forward. So Today I am thrilled to be joined by Sushma Kumar, who is uh, a colleague um, who works within our SHL team. Sushma, do you quickly want to say hello? Hi, Sarah. Um, Absolute pleasure to be here. It's my first ever podcast, and this is very, very special. Uh, My name is Sushma Kumar, and I am personally a mother of an amazing nine-year-old boy, Um, and I'm also a very happy member of the SHL family. I work as the Professional Services Delivery Director at SHL India. Fantastic. Great to have you with us, Sushma. Uh, and we'll, we'll promise this will be a good positive experience as your first podcast. Thanks for joining. So the topic that we've chosen today to discuss with Sushma, and actually this is the, the third episode um, in this particular series, is around learning and growth. Um, and this, I think, is something that is so important to all of us in a world that has such complexity and increasing complexity and ambiguity um, and a need for individuals to navigate quite different and sometimes changing paths um, in their their own careers. So Sushma, I know that you personally have a broader background and and real interest in learning and and growth uh, for individuals and for organisations. With the context and the challenges that we've been experiencing, what do you see as the new priorities emerging in this space? Yeah, Sarah, um, you know, two, over two decades in learning, and um, I can tell you whenever I have either designed a learning course or taken a learning class, um, it's very, very clear to me that we all grow into our next level of incompetence isn't it? Um, Our next promotion doesn't really come with a rule book or with a training syllabus. And um, like it or not, Josh Burson said that, that our learning curve is our earning curve. And we really all want that curve to be very, very steep. But it's also very true that um, the skills market is extremely crowded. We don't know whether, um, and you know, when I ask early career professionals, what is it that they want to do? Uh, One has to be very clear when they think about learning and growth is whether they want to be a generalist, they want to be a specialist, they want to be on the business side, or they want to be a corporate side. Uh, That clarity early on is extremely important if you need to shape your career. 
uh, where you, you know one needs to create a safety net for themselves uh, so that when they move into that next level of incompetence they know there's something to catch them and one way i've seen um, helps individuals when they think about their own learning and the growth is to make sure that they understand themselves deeply uh, any doctor will do a deep diagnostic before giving you a prescription because it's a matter of life and death i think the same approach has to be thought about when you are thinking about your own learning and growth do a deep diagnostic understand who you are where your strengths are where is um, you know where do you have the capacity to do more but where is it that you are under capacity because your growth will come from filling in those gaps and the learnings sit in those gaps as well absolutely um and i think that's even more true today perhaps than than ever before and i think as you said sushma the understanding what what you're good at understanding where the gaps are but also understanding what really motivates and drives you because if you don't um tap into that then you're not going to have uh, the, the the growth the the focus to sustain um that that learning and Sushma, with, with that in mind, what, what steps do you feel organisations can be taking to get in a position to kind of optimise some of those things? And are there any examples that you've seen um, recently with, with organisations that you've worked with or worked in um, who have taken some steps towards optimising that? Sarah, I think I'm going to answer that question in exactly the opposite way. I'm going to tell you what organisations are not doing. Uh, because that's mm -hmm. a lot of what I see. Um, organizations are still very obsessed with the strategy that they have, uh, the outcomes that they need, and therefore everything has a very linear flow and learning does not work in a linear format. When it comes to organization thinking about optimizing their impact, uh, especially when it comes to talent, they really need to think about embracing the whole gig economy. You don't need to hire specialists, especially if you don't have a career track for them. You need to know where to build and buy and borrow your talent from. Um, some of these are, you know, first generation organizations who, who are moving from a very legacy to a very next gen approach in managing, it, uh, managing the organization. And I think that including myself, that formula of how they can optimize their impact is still work in progress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that idea around it not being linear. I think that's a, a, a really significant change that we've felt as individuals and within organizations, you know, physically, organizations becoming flatter, um, at times de more decentralized, certainly teams becoming more remote, more virtual. Um, obviously, a lot of that has happened over the, the past 18 months or so. Um, and so organizations needing to have a, have a grasp of the skills, um, the behaviors, uh, the potential that they have within their organization and then finding moments of, of connection. Um, and Sushma, I'm going to ask you a slightly different question, actually, around as you know, given your background in in learning and, and development, and seeing the changes and, and the opportunities that are the coming uh, uh, that, that we're seeing to, today, what what personally are you excited about in this particular space? So, from a learning, development, and growth um, point of view. 
So, you know, Sarah, because this is a uh, podcast for the globe, um, I think I'm going to share with you what I'm seeing here in the Asia-Pac region, but I'd love to get your views as well from what you see in the the EMEA region. So I'm going to put this question back to you as well for your wisdom. Sure. (laughs) I uh, I can tell you uh, what I see and what I think is particularly exciting is the the amount of democratization of learning that's taken place in the recent past. Organizations are recognizing that people will learn at their own pace and they will learn to serve their own ambition and they will learn to fulfill the gaps that they have. Uh, And democratizing development has perhaps been the single most important uh, step or innovation in the space of learning. And what HR can really do is benefit from learning about what people are learning. Um, it's almost like, you know, if, if HR could look through everyone's Google search and see what is it that they're learning, why is it that they're learning, what time they're learning, uh, and in what format they're learning, it almost means that they'd be able to see the aspiration tracker of the organization. And then they can use that information to formulate formal, informal, social methods of learning. Um, At this point in time, data-fying behaviors, data-fying learning is becoming important. And people are amazed at, you know, the amount of... uh, recognition and instant gratification learning can give them, whether it's badges, recognition, um, social call-outs for them. And all of this is a very positive shift. I'm not sure if I think I'm going to ever return to a classroom because now I feel like I own my development and I have control over learning what I need to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, fa- that's fascinating. I think... You, you pull out a lot of things that are, are, are very similar on, on this part of, of the world, so, so across Europe and um, Middle East and Africa, and completely um, the, the need to, or the drive to democratise and, and shift ownership for development to individuals. So I think we are seeing this real, um, quite seismic shift uh, within organisations of actually let's put that in the individual's hands um, and, and in many ways we need that as organisations because we can't possibly map out every possible combination of career paths of development journeys because our organisations are, are a lot more matrix, a lot more fluid and the pace of change in the market um, it, is that too. Uh, so yeah, completely seeing very similar things and, and clients tackling those issues. You know, a lot of organisations we're working with now are starting to ask those questions. So how do I do that? How do I enable individuals to share the skills that they have to access mentors, coaches within the organisation in a way that is outside of perhaps what was previously a lot more, as you say, such a kind of formalised classroom, academy learning. Um, mm-hmm. How do we do that within within the populations that we have? Um, and I think the, the thing that's really helping there, like in lots of industries, is obviously technology and technology enabling that connection um, and in some ways kind of stepping back 
um, mm -hmm. for HR, for learning um, and development pro professionals, for people in um, people science roles. Yes. Um, and I guess, Sushma, it would be good to get your thoughts then on what that means for HR, for managers, in terms of you know, enabling individuals to own their own careers, to navigate and find development. How, how do you see or how do you envision then the role of HR and managers starting to evolve um, in this space? I think for HR, and you just said it, so I'll say it in a different word. I think all HR professionals need to take a crash course on technology. They need to be technologists at heart uh, and generalists in their spirit. They need to think about, um, you know, we used, HR used to do learning objectives, training plans. Now I think the storyline shifts to user personas, um, access uh, platforms, UI, UX. If it's going to take someone four clicks to get to a learning program, you've lost them already. They need to think about how do they consumerize the whole experience uh, of learning for the individual and how do they reward them through instant rewards so that, and also teach them how to consume those rewards quickly so that they come back for more. So they have to build a very consumer-like uh, consumption pattern and drive the learning for them. And for that, it's a completely different skill set. As for managers, I think they are the linchpin for any organization when it comes to the people management. In fact, 70% of any organization is reporting to their first time managers. So managers very early on need to recognize the value of learning and promote it by leading uh, through example. Because uh, if they don't give time to people to learn or think that people can learn on the weekends and they should really work Monday to Friday, they're making a sing you know, they're making a really big mistake in the people investment plan that they have. Yeah. Yeah, I see that too, absolutely. Um, and technology skills, uh, yeah, probably right up there in terms of priorities for HR, for managers, well, for, for everyone in organisations to develop, but in particular where um, if we are going to get into a position where we do turn learning and development and growth on its head, then that technology is certainly going to be um, a catalyst. And then finally, Sushma, just in terms of turning this on its head slightly, if we think about individuals, um, obviously, who are uh, the, the, key, the key stakeholder in, in, in all of this, is there some advice that you would have for an individual uh, who is thinking about how they can reinvent, how they can develop um, new skills or embark on, on new career paths? You know, uh, Sarah, the buck usually stops at the learner, right? No matter how much of an infrastructure, motivation, resources are provided. At the end of the day, um, it's really up to the learner who wants to reinvent. And to them, there is only one piece of advice I would give them. Go back to your CV every six months and see if you really can add a skill. Because if you're able to do that, then you have moved. Uh, I look at that as my uh, true North Star to say every six months I'm going to see, you know, based on the projects I did or the teams I led or the clients I worked with, are there any new skills that I was able to add to my CV? And I think that's a true measurement of whether you are reinventing yourself or not. Yeah, great. A great piece of advice and I think a great takeaway um, for, for those listening 
because everybody everybody has a career, everybody has uh, steps that, that they're considering taking. Um, and I think I would personally add to that in terms of a takeaway for um, organisations or people in key roles facilitating these experiences within organisations. So I think, Sushma, you've helped us you know, quite quickly get to some of the opportunities that, that lie ahead in capitalising on technology, on stepping back, uh, in you know, creating control, creating structure, and actually moving more into a position of enabling and facilitating and building connections amongst people in your organisation to share um, skills, to share learnings, to you know, share experiences that they've had when they've been you know, working on projects or working with, with customers. Um, and I think the thing that's coming out for me um, a, a, as a real takeaway is that we make sure we start with the user group. We start with the problems that we're, that we're trying to uh, improve, the experiences that we're trying to improve. Because I think there could be a temptation to jump straight in and launch a, a, a big program, um, a big piece of reinvention, but then find actually things have moved on and, and we're not quite sure whether that's going to hit the mark. So that opportunity that we have to look at the things we're trying to solve for, the connections we're trying to make, um, and then that will get us in, into a great position for the next phase for learning and growth um, uh, within organisations. So, um, yeah, lots of uh, opportunity uh, to come. So thank you all for joining and thank you in particular Sushma for um, participating and, and sharing some great thoughts, some great wisdom. Um, we do have a white paper that will be available on the SHL website and you can go there and download that. There will be more detail on some of the topics that Sushma has been talking around. And please do join us next time um, in our series around reinventing the future of work. Thanks for listening to the SHL Smart Teams podcast. To learn more about how SHL helps companies leverage their greatest asset, their people, please visit shl.com.